Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Matt here. Guess what's happening on this week's binge list? You know, it's not Charmed. It's not the Melissa Jane Hart and her wonky eye version. Yeah. It, it's definitely... <laughs> Featuring wonky art. It was just not needed and kind of disgusting. Satan is invoked numerous times, which is really going to freak out a lot of parents, I think. And he came up with, yeah, Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve, which, well, they're lesbians. Can't you even come up with a lesbian version of that? She's already indicating that she finds it a bit patriarchal that she has to sign over her virginity to the Dark Lord. These horrible, horrible parents who are just so awful to their children. I I don't know if she'll be reading and bidding. As soon as it's available, you will want to binge it as as soon as possible. blown away. I haven't been so immediately gripped by a show since the first episode of Killing Eve. It got me right in. I'm not interested in you if you're going to be talking about me in that manner. Fatima's big quote about her potential future daughter-in-law is, and I quote, I don't want my son dating a like that. And I know, Matt, your eyes are glazing over as I speak. They sure are. Welcome back to Binge List, your weekly guide to the best on TV. I'm your host, Matthew Denby, and joining me in the studio is Who Magazine's TV expert, Gavin Scott, and a special guest, Who's delightful reality TV queen, Abby Mustafa. Welcome, guys. Hello. Hey, hey. Now, our usual offsider, Claire Rigdon, is on holidays today, and we miss her already, but she will be back very soon, so have no fear, Claire fans. She did have a message she wanted me to convey to you, though. This show we're just about to talk about now really blew her mind and it's already one of her favourites of the year. I'm talking about Foxtel's new drama series, Fighting Season, which is available from October 28. It revolves around a group of Aussie soldiers returning from the Afghanistan war and the impact that conflict had upon them and their families. There's also an unfolding mystery about something deeply disturbing that happened over there. What did you think of Fighting Season, Gavin? Oh, look, it's pretty bleak, isn't it? It's quite quite a heavy, heavy drama. So if you're looking for something light and, uh, you know, something to kick back with on a Sunday night, fighting season isn't it. But it is very good. It, it's very um, compelling, very gripping. Uh, so, yeah, as you mentioned, it, it's a platoon, a unit, I don't know, a group of soldiers return home earlier than scheduled and their commanding officer, played by you and Leslie in flashbacks, was killed. Exactly how is that unfolding mystery that you mentioned, Matt? Did something sus happen? You know, what's the scenario behind the the fact that the commanding officer is no longer with them. So as well as trying to hide the truth about what happened to Ewan's character, the men have to deal with being back at home. And it's not easy. They're on edge. They've seen and done things that those of us living a normal life can't comprehend. Um, and I, I thought this was really well done, the show. that The mystery, I was interested in the mystery, but surprisingly for me, because I normally love that kind of stuff, an ongoing mystery, um, I, I was more interested in the, in the men's stories, the, the post-traumatic stress disorder, that kind of stuff. 
um, you know, the experiences they have when they're getting back in touch with family and friends and things like that. That, to me, is, is the core of this show and what's going to make people watch it. Now, Abby, you've seen it as well, haven't you? What did Absolutely. you think? You know what, for me, I, I'm so, as you said, reality TV guru. So for me, it was really hard to watch. It was quite confronting. Um, and kind of just seeing the guys, as you said, it was more so them having to deal with the aftermath of coming home and and being, you know, just to do regular things. Like I think um, Jay Ryan plays a character where he's, you know, he's a young a young dad and he's struggling even just to, you know, make it to to go and see a school teacher and he just struggles to have proper conversations with everyone back home. Yeah, Jay's great. Um, he's come a long way from Neighbours and Sea Patrol when he was called Jay Bunyan. He's now Jay Ryan, which is his, um, I guess it's his American professional name. It, it changed when he headed over to the States. He's been in Beauty and the Beast over there, of course. He was really convincing as, yeah, the aggro husband who turned up the school up to the school and wanted to get into a fight with everybody. Uh, and, yeah, he, he's, his wife... He, kind of just wishes he's not around. She's happy to see him, but she's like, oh, when you come home, you make it all so difficult. It's an odd relationship, isn't it? It is, it is. And it must be fairly common for, for wives of men. And and this is set in 2010 when it was all males fighting in, in Afghanistan. Absolutely. I think since then, uh, women, women have been on the front over there. So, it, yeah, the wives back home... It must be mixed uh, emotions because, yeah, they're so happy to see their their husbands and partners and things like that coming home. Uh, But, yeah, they come with so much baggage and and the difficulty of being back home and dealing with all that stress. Matt, what did you think of the um, PTSD stuff in this? Yeah, it was really full on, actually. Um, There's one scene in a morgue. I'm not going to spoil it for people who haven't seen it already, but, you know, it shocked the hell out of me. And I think that was supposed to really communicate the sense of PTSD when people come back and they're hypervigilant and they're having imagery flashing in front of their eyes from things they've seen and things they've experienced. Um, It is quite traumatic in spaces, but this is a really high quality show. I was dreading watching it, actually, because I don't really like watching really bleak, horrific things usually. And I just thought this subject matter, it's not for me, but I was drawn in immediately. It's a high quality show, great cast, some really good uh, plots linking together, weaving in and out. I'm really looking forward to seeing how this one turns out. I think it's definitely worth watching. Don't be put off if you think it's going to be too heavy. It's quality TV. Um, Yes, I definitely recommend it. Would you watch it again, Abby? A hundred percent. I absolutely loved it, and I'm I can like I cannot stress enough how great the cast is. Um, I think everyone is spot on, and it's it's a great representation of of what really happens around Australia. I think everyone that they've chosen, you know, it's in Hollywood when you watch things that are based around the army, these soldiers all kind of look so ripped and hot, and it's like soldiers don't really look like Brad Pitt. Yeah, it's a great representation because I think they've got you know they've got a a guy who plays um, we've got Julian Maroon who plays a French guy um, or a boy from from French heritage, and then we've got um, an an actor who plays Izzy who's the the from an Islander background, and then we also have you know the the lovable Larrikin who um, is. Playing for Keeps. Yes, and- yes. The, the guy from Playing for Keeps, George Puller, who's, who's also been in A Place to Call Home as well. He's kind of everywhere at the moment. He plays, yeah, that 19-year-old who, who catches up. He's from a really wealthy family and he goes to this private school kids party. And uh, I won't say what he does, but he has this really extreme reaction to something that goes down at the party, uh, which was, yeah, really full-on stuff. Absolutely. I lo- it was just re- really not what you'd expect. 
Yeah, I I quite liked yeah the the real life stuff where they were struggling with with what they were happening in real life. There are a few, I guess you'd call them hauntings that that went on where they've got nightmares or, or actually they they have a vision of, of someone. I didn't I didn't think they were all completely effective. I know Matt, you were um a bit taken aback by one of the th- possibly the thing in the morgue that That's you were the talking one, about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So some of those yeah hauntings, quote unquote hauntings, I, I wasn't completely taken by, but I did like the real life stuff where it's yeah, this they're just going through their day to day life and not coping at all. Yeah, I wonder what people who served in Afghanistan are going to make of this, and I wonder if they, uh, any people of that background were involved in sort of prepping for this show or they gave any feedback or not. Because one thing that you do tend to notice in the coverage of, of this uh, subject matter is there's always a lot of focus on PTSD and also stuff about uh, impropriety on the battlefield. I wonder what people who've been to Afghanistan feel about those two things being centred all the time. I do think that PTSD is something that... It doesn't get enough attention, in my opinion. I mean, that's certainly something that's haunted people who've been in wars since uh, the beginning of time, but it's only now that we're really talking about it. So I do think that's important. Yeah, so if you were perhaps uh, serving in Afghanistan, if you watch this show, tell us what you think. We'd love you to get back to us and we'd love to hear your point of view. Uh, you can reach me on uh, Mr. Matt Denby on Twitter or Gavin Scott 99 So if you're interested in watching Fighting Season, it's on Foxtel from October 28th. Binge List, brought to you by Who Magazine. And there's another show starting on Netflix from October 24 called Bodyguard. And this show covers a few similar themes to those covered in fighting season. It deals with a former soldier who finds himself suddenly ensconced in the highest levels of British politics after he's given a bodyguard gig following a life-changing incident on a London train. This show has already created a real sensation in Britain where it aired on the BBC. What did you think, Gavin? And is it up to the hype and the hysteria? I can see why people got all worked up about it. It, it is pretty um, good TV and, and gripping stuff. The bodyguard, David Budd, is played by Richard Madden, most famous as Rob with two Bs, Stark, on Game of Thrones. Uh, so, you know, the Game of Thrones fans are obviously going to want to watch him in his new show. Uh, and after the incident on the train that you mentioned, which is some of the best TV I've seen all year, that, that sequence on the train at the start, uh, David is assigned to the Home Secretary, who's played by Keely Hawes, who's been in a bunch of stuff. If you don't know the name, you'll recognise her. She's currently in the Durrells. And the Home Secretary is a bit of a controversial figure, and David doesn't necessarily agree with her policies, uh, that they're kind of from two completely different worlds, but he's good at his job, and he needs to be because there are plenty of other people who don't like what she stands for. I kind of found this a bit all over the place in, in the first episode. Sometimes it was gripping, others it was a little bit laughable. Richard Madden kind of veered between coming across as like a Terminator and, and the male Carrie Matheson from Homeland. Um, and there was some, but there was some good chemistry between him and the Home Secretary. And I was interested to see how it was going to play out because, yeah, obviously he's got a protector, that's his job, but he doesn't agree with her. But then there was also this kind of, I thought, at least sexual chemistry going underneath um, underneath the surface there and a bit of a will-they-won't-they. 
So, uh, you know, and that's all, that always gets people in. What did you make of the first episode, Matt? I was blown away. I haven't been so immediately gripped by a show since the first episode of Killing Eve. It got me right in. And I had no interest in this before I began and, you know, immediately straight grabbed by the throat. The opening sequence set on the train that we've alluded to, it's very, very memorable, extremely gripping. And then you have this really dramatic gear change after that sequence where you see the title character in a whole different light you see that he's not a two-dimensional person at all he's got uh, many many layers to him and some of them are quite sort of disturbed and vulnerable and then we have the uh the the placement with the home secretary which is amazing i wasn't immediately um transfixed by the possibility of a relationship between the two what i saw being hinted at repeatedly was that possibly he may end up wanting to kill her himself that's my feeling because he's a veteran of a war that he deeply regrets being involved in and that he's deeply scarred by being involved in and she is someone who presided over that war and remains completely unrepentant about that war yeah yeah, yeah. I, I think we were because i've gone on to watch episodes two three possibly four i can't remember um it's a little bit of a blur but um i think we were right to pick up on those elements there's definitely yes it's kind of i guess what you could call a love-hate relationship between her, uh, between the two characters. There is definitely the tension with with her policies and and the fact that she supported the war and he had to serve in the war and has come home and he's you know split up from his wife and he doesn't get to see his two kids that often, and uh, yeah, there's a little bit of an obsessive character on on that front. Um, but yeah, the, the, there is also the, there is some chemistry between them, and I don't I don't want to give too much away about these later episodes, but they do pick up on both those elements: the tension between them, but also the chemistry between them. And in later episodes, you know, if you like the train sequence in in the first, I guess, ten minutes of the show, there are some big moments in following episodes uh, that uh, rival that. There's a uh, like a, a terrorist attack that is, um, yeah, I just was on the edge of my seat as, as that was playing out. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's really hard to talk about later episodes without giving too much away. Things explode, people shoot other people or try to shoot other people. Um, yeah, I'm trying to be really vague here. Uh, it is one of those shows, as soon as it's available, you will want to binge it as, as soon as possible. Interestingly, though, when the finale aired in the UK, my Twitter feed, which had been filled with all these people going on about how good Bodyguard was, suddenly it felt like the tide had turned, and I'm not sure people were that happy with the finale. I haven't reached the finale yet. Yeah, it's. I think it's one of those shows that maybe the the ending of. I'm not sure if there's going to be subsequent seasons, but the the end of this first season left a lot of people cold. Which is always it's tricky when you go into a show knowing that knowing that people loved it but then didn't like the finale. You're like, oh well, do I bother watching the whole thing because am I just going to be pissed off by the end? I don't know. So um, I think watch it as quickly as possible because you won't want to have things spoilt for you. But I uh, be prepared that maybe the ending won't be as satisfying as you're hoping for. Yeah, I have not seen the end, but I've still got no hesitation in saying to our listeners, watch this show. It really is really, really good. If the quality does sort of ebb away as it goes along, you can drop out. You will not uh, be disappointed in the first few episodes. Please do watch them. And Bodyguard airs on Netflix from October 24. Do check it out. TV news. It's TV news time and Seven's hit reality show Bride and Prejudice is back on October 29. Dealing with a group of Aussie couples who are struggling to get their parents to approve of their relationships, this show created a bit of a stir last season when gay couple Grant and Chris confronted some memorably 
particularly intransigent religious parents. Well, believe it or not, the tension has been ramped up even further with this second season, and there have been some format changes too. What did you think of season two, Gavin? Well, I didn't watch season one, I have to say, and this isn't the type of show I would normally watch, but um, yeah, I mean, these things suck you right in and and you're right in there and intrigued by these horrible horrible parents who are just so awful to their children and their, their children's partners um it's it's an interesting uh premise i guess it's an it's another twist on the dating and marriage reality format which which we have you know there's a lot of shows around but this has a unique niche i think and in in the first episode i watched there were three couples one a pair of uh 19 year olds or early 20s they were very young uh, there was a pair of lesbians and there was a guy marrying a girl and I think the parents' complaint about her was that she was she spoke up for herself too much or she was yeah. I was like, Really? Really you're gonna stand in the way of your son uh, marrying the, the you know, the woman he loves because she's not a good little wifey and just sticks in the kitchen. Those parents really I was just like, How can you go on TV and be so backwards, be so 1950s, and, you know, the wife's place is, is not speaking up, and, oh, and she's a vegetarian. Yeah, yeah. That that was that was quite laughable. But, uh, but yeah, Matt, Matt, which of the couple's parents shocked you the most? Because they were all fairly shocking. They're all appalling, but the one mother that everyone's going to be speaking about once this show goes to air is Fatima, the mother of Sayed, who oh, yeah. is with Jess. Now, Fatima's big quote about her potential future daughter-in-law is, and I quote, I don't want my son dating a whore like that. And... Uh, just as appalling, she also accuses Jess of smelling like cats. That's a, that's a really low blow, telling someone they smell like that. Um, look, I, some of it is amusing in a voyeuristic way, but a lot of it isn't because it's very unpleasant to see how nasty and cruel Fatima is to this poor Jess, who when Jess visits uh, Syed, her fiancé, um, she just only sits in the bedroom with him. She won't go outside and she actually sits in the closet because she's terrified to go outside and be- confront Fatima, who is incredibly nasty. Uh, Fatima's husband doesn't really say much. He, he's just sort of like a bit of a furniture in some of these scenes. But yes, the the casting in this is fantastic. It really is really, really good. We've got um, Hank and Lily, who are, uh, you've already referred to, and she's uh, with the 19, so-called 1950s parents who don't approve of Lily. Right. And um, she's, she's called, quote, a controlling vegetarian feminist. <laughs> Yes, yes, it's really it's really going to have a lot of people talking this one. And then you've got um um Ange and Dylan the lesbian couple who get the Adam and Eve not Adam and Steve speech from uh one of the fathers. Um that's what we're dealing with, but despite the fact that he comes out with stuff like that, the daughter really does love him and that's kind of touching that she can she can put that aside and say dad I still love you despite all these horrible things you're saying. There's an interesting backstory with them as well which I won't spoil, but um why they're so attached to each other, yeah. um, which which I found was useful to know, yeah. uh, and it kind of yeah explains their kind of close relationship. But yeah, and he came up with yeah Adam and Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Which well, they're lesbians. Can't you even come up with a lesbian version of that? Like I don't know, Adama and Stephanie or, yeah. <laughs> or something. But I I found the. Um, yeah, I found all the parents awful, reprehensible, and I can't believe they're going on TV saying these things. Obviously, they believe in them. I mean, the the, the guy with the, with the lesbian daughter, he has religion to fall back on. 
but the mother who just doesn't like the vegetarian, what is she <laughs> falling back on? And the, the thing I love about her is that when they call her on it, she kind of just goes, oh, no, I think you're great. Yeah. And then they laugh in her face because yeah. clearly she doesn't. Yeah. So at least if you're going to object, have, you know, stand up for your convictions, whatever they are, that you don't like vegetarians or you don't like women who have a voice, I don't know, at least stand up for yourself. Um, Fatima, for all her faults, she's very clear that she doesn't she d- doesn't like this girl. Um, and I, I would have thought with, with that couple, which are the, you know, Say It and, and his fiancé, I would have thought the objection would have been that they're too young. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't even come into it. Just she doesn't like her. Yeah. And I kind of think, though, she wouldn't like anyone. No one would be good enough for her boy, I think. Or no one she hasn't chosen, perhaps. Possibly, possibly, I, I suspect. But she doesn't, like, her. she and her husband don't look that old themselves. No, they don't. So no. if they've got a 19-year-old son, they must have had him when they were fairly young. Yeah, yeah. So maybe that's why they're not objecting to the age thing. Yeah. It's more that, yeah, mummy doesn't like her son having anyone. No, no. I think this show is going to become a massive water cooler moment. Everyone's going to be talking about it when it airs. If you think this sounds like a lot of fun or very compelling, I think you're right. I couldn't tear my eyeballs away from this. I'm going to be watching the whole thing. So it is airing on Channel 7 from October 29. Check out Bride and Prejudice, The Forbidden Weddings. And in more news, The Bachelorette keeps grabbing headlines with Ali's search for love creating a lot of unexpected drama. Abby, you're our Bachelorette queen. What do you think about the latest developments? And in particular, uh, talk to us a bit about the drama surrounding Nathan. Oh, you know what, guys? I know it's all about Nathan um, and it got a lot of traction online this week. But for me, it's more so what Nathan, what well, Nathan's actions actually brought out from Ali. Um, she's usually quite really relaxed and just kind of a little bit boring for TV. I know that sounds really horrible to say, dare I say it, but she's a bit boring. And when I interviewed her, she's lovely as – it's just beautiful. But she said to me, everyone says I'm really boring, but I think it's just because I'm really happy with my life. You know, generally I don't have, you know, any major dramas minus the Grant Kemp stuff. But um, I – I really loved seeing her get angry with Nathan. So for anyone who's who watches The Bachelor, um, Nathan was going around telling the boys about um, her past. Obviously, she was with Bachelor – at the end of Bachelor in Paradise, she was with Grant Kemp um, and he was based in Los Angeles. And when she went overseas to see him um, – they kind of he, he she said that he was a bit misleading and and he wasn't the kind of guy that she he made out to be. Anyway, cut long story short, she got in there were a few rumors that were surrounding her and their breakup. Um and Nathan was telling the boys about it, which I thought was really just it was just not needed and kind of disgusting. So she actually calls him out on the behavior um because Charlie walks in and he stomps him because you know Charlie's her protector and he actually says oh she needs to be protected, which is hilarious. Um in itself. But yeah, he he storms in and she storms in. Sorry to Nathan, and she pretty much tells him, "Look, you got to get out. Like, I don't need that negativity, and I'm not interested in in you if you're going to be talking about me in that in that manner." And it was really nice to see that side of Ali because she's always so placid. And you know what? It's great as a human. Like, it's nice to have her around. But on TV, we need to have some drama. We need something to happen. Um, and it was so good to see her get really, really pissed off, um, which was nice. I hope we see more of this throughout the show. It was definitely good, yeah, to, to have that drama. And it feels like they're all, and in the season of The Bachelor, they're all running to Dob 
on each other yes. to the to the suitor. So in Nick's season, they were all, oh, you got to get rid of Kat. She's saying all this, she's causing all this yeah. trouble. And then this time around, they're running to Ali and going, oh, you got to get rid of that Nathan. He's no. I love that. I love it how is. they're all like, like yeah, dobbing. It is. <laughs> He did this and he said that. Yeah, yeah, no, it's all, all telling tales about each other. What do you think of – who do you think of the front runners, Abby? I mean, Charlie, you've Look, mentioned. Charlie is just I, – and I know I feel mean saying it, but he is almost – he's going to be a cast. He's just a bit more switched on. He's just so obsessed with her already. I feel like he's more of an Ali than Ali is this season, which is hilarious. And I can actually say that because she's been on TV twice before. And she does fall so quickly and she talks about it. And he's just on a mission. Everyone that ever gets close to her, he finds something wrong with them. Um, you know, he he found something. He's just taking it too seriously for the f- first few weeks, I think. he. Right. Um, I think he said, what did Charlie say? Charlie said that he said he doesn't trust Bill. And all of a sudden, like, you know, we're, we're watching it. We're like, oh, is Bill shifty? We're, we're questioning ourselves. And we're questioning Bill. And then... He sits down with Ali and he's really chill and he says that he, you know, he's been working so hard because in his 20s because he can't wait to settle down and he wants to spend time with his kids. So in future and her kids, which, you know, knowing Ali, that'll probably be, you know, <laughs> next away. year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's, I think, I don't know what's happening, but front runners, I think Bill will be there for a little bit longer. Um, and he, di- he did have the, the rare rose, I think it was called the, um, the the wild rose, which oh, meant to steal yeah, the date. That's right. He stole the date from, date from Tate, and I really like Tate. Tate's date that rhymes. <laughs> I really like Tate, and I think that he'll be. I think he was really upset about that, and I think that we'll see more of Tate to come. Um, but yeah, front runner definitely Bill, um, Charlie for sure. I don't know if Charlie will win. I think he might get his heart broken. I reckon top two. I know it's a bit soon, but honestly, he's going to be in there for the long haul. Next season's Bachelor. There we go. And there's there's something big happening tonight, isn't there? Concerning Bill um, and my favourite, Ivan, the oh, dancer, yeah. dancer oh, the Ivan. Dancing. What do you, what do you think of Ivan's dancing, Matt? I think it's absolutely atrocious, but I'm sure it helped him get on the show. You know, there are so many freaks who've just been cast for their, their little quirks on this show now, isn't it? Aren't there? It's just like it's it's less about who's going to be the love of her life and who's going to make great TV. Yeah, yeah. So Ivan and Bill are going on single dates yes. with uh, with Ali and only one of them will come back to the house. Yeah, so it's head to head. It's pretty much like boot. Um, I, mean, I don't know if she'll be reading and booting, but it'll be it'll be <laughs> you choose one by the end of it. I don't look. I hope. I really. I think that Bill's going to stick around for a little bit longer. I think Ivan's dancing is short lived. Um, I hope so anyway because it's really tragic. Um, as you said, Matt. I think Ivan won't stay. He seems like a lovable guy, but I just don't think that Ali's as into him as he is into her. Right. So yeah, I reckon Bill will. Yeah, I think you're onto something there. Now Matt and I are still watching the uh, ten daily recaps of the Bachelorette. I, I can't sit through a full episode. I do love on the on the um, ten daily ones hosted by brown haired Josh Thomas that Bill always licks his lips. They always show oh, Bill lip-licking. licking his lips, which maybe in a full episode you don't notice as much, but yeah. in these like six-minute synopses of, of the episodes. It's they like show a him. nervous tick. It's like it's I think he obviously is going to – by the end of this, he'll have a sponsorship with Paw Paw. Yeah. <laughs> ten out of ten. Yeah. I'm sure he has a lot of followers now, so they probably will pay him for that. Um, but yeah, or Lana Lips or something along those lines. By the way, we're not sponsored by them, but feel free to sponsor us, guys. But yeah, they did. He's just always licking his lips, which is really awkward. Yeah, I, I'm not, I, I don't like him, but I think he will be a front runner, and yeah. that is a funny part. I yeah, did yeah, notice yeah. that as well. There's a lot of dead wood to left to cut, isn't there? Oh, absolutely. 
Yeah, how are you finding it compared to the Nick Cummins season in terms of entertainment value? Look, I feel horrible saying it, but the ratings say it themselves. It's just a lot lower. And I mean, I was really excited because I, I really think that Ali's a nice girl. When I interviewed her, she was lovely. And I think she really just wants to find someone to settle down with and desperately so. Um, but she's not going to settle and she's shown that this time. Like she really, like she put her stilettos down. Um, I don't know. I think that was stilettos or wedges. Who knows? Um I don't I doubt that they weren't too expensive. Um but she she was really really she put her foot down and she was um she you know she's ready to find love but I just think it's I feel like the talent just isn't the same. I don't know if Nick was a bit I mean I think he was a bit more different. I think we've seen Ali a lot and it's it's not so much Ali but I just think nobody no one's really that enthralled. No one is that excited to head home like I feel like with Nick Cummins you know a, 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 the Bachelor, I would run home to be like, I've got to make sure I'm home in time and my friends are going to come over. We're going to watch it together. Whereas Ali's, I'm kind of like, I'll watch it on the cross trainer while I'm exercising, you know, as kind of a, <laughs> a time passer. What about but, compared to Sophie? Oh, dramatic difference. Firstly, I think that Sophie can sing better, dare I say it, but she can sing. She can actually sing better than Ali can, which we, we she proved um, in the ads. But I think Sophie was fun because everyone knew who Sophie was and her one-liners are funny. They're not forced. Mm. I feel like Ali's a little bit forced and like her dad jokes are just overdone and it's just it's really hard to watch i'll watch it but it's just she loves everyone and everyone's so nice and everyone really wants to be here for me and i feel like it's just the same thing i think it's i'm not that excited i kind of can predict what's going to happen before it actually happens on screen yeah, I think if it weren't for the delightful Matt Whitehead, I'd have no connection to this uh, season at all. He is making me uh, watch this, at least on 10 play. So if you're watching uh, The Bachelorette or if you'd like to watch The Bachelorette, it's on 10 and available on 10 play. G'day, it's Hamish and Andy here, and um, you're listening to The Binge List, which I hope you knew because you <laughs> voluntarily downloaded it and pressed play. Now, if you have fun childhood memories of Sabrina the Teenage Witch from the Archie comics, you might be in for a bit of a shock with the debut of Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which is available from October 26 on Netflix. Or you might just be delighted. This show follows in the vein of Riverdale by giving us a much more adult and modern take on the classic comic book character, and it might just divide audiences. What did you think, Gavin? Well, in the current season of Riverdale, which this isn't really a spin-off of, it's in the same world. Uh, we, don't, we don't have characters crossing over from Riverdale into Sabrina to, to set it up, but it is set in, in the same Archie world. And in Riverdale at the moment, we have levitating babies, we have scenes of ritualistic murder, and it kind of seems out of place. I mean, I know Riverdale's dark, but it's really dark this season. But that kind of creepy stuff is par for the course in this latest incarnation of Sabrina, which, um, as you might have gathered is nothing like the Melissa Joan Hart sitcom. Mad Men's Kiernan Shipka, I think that's how you say her name, she played Don Draper's daughter. She's Sabrina and she's approaching her 16th birthday where she has to decide to embrace her witch destiny or to go down the path of, of, of being a mortal. She's half-half. She's half-human and, and half-witch. So she has a choice. And because this is proper dark magic, her, her choice involves signing the book belonging to the Dark Lord, and the Dark Lord is Satan. They talk about Satan a lot in this show, uh, which parents might find a bit confronting. I found it a little bit confronting. It, it's, you know, they're sitting around having cups of tea talking about whether she's going to pledge her allegiance to Satan. 
So yeah, it it is a, a dark look at Sabrina, but you know, I mean, it, it's a show about witches, so I think I think that's okay. She does still have two aunts, Zelda and Hilda. They're played by Miranda Otto and Lucy Davis, who was in the UK version of The Office, and they have this great relationship. Zelda is all ice queen and kind of um, imperious and disapproving, and Hilda is all warm and cuddly and, and fuzzy. And um, Zelda likes to kill Hilda every so often, and then and then Hilda resurrects herself. Um, so. This is the type of stuff we get in this show. And we do see Sabrina's human world as well. She has a boyfriend. She has friends. She goes to high school. But for how long? Because she won't be going to that high school if she does decide to become a full-on witch. Now, Abby, you're a huge Riverdale fan. Love it. um, But you've been struggling with the weirdness in season three, haven't you? Look, I'm just not a sci-fi girl. I know I'm going to sound so – I'm going to come across so basic. First, I'm talking all things Bachelorette. (laughs) But I just – it's getting way too dark. Mm. Um, the gargoyles, Betty collapsing, it's just a bit much. I, I adore Riverdale and like I live for it. It's so sad how much I love the characters <laughs> and they're real, you know, the real actors. Um, but I just it's getting a bit too dark for my liking mm. season two. But I I am I was I am excited about this um this new Sabrina because I was obsessed with the with my childhood favourite one, with them um, with obviously Melissa Joan Hart. Um, but it does sound a lot darker. Mm. I'm probably going to struggle, but I reckon, I don't know, I reckon she'll probably end up becoming a witch. It'll be interesting to see. I've seen a couple of episodes um, and, and I don't know what happens yet because they drag that yeah. decision out. But it, it is dark, but there is a bit of humour to it as well. It isn't kind of um, really depressing darkness. Um, there is a lot of humour to it, especially with the aunts. They're quite funny. Uh, Sabrina finding Salem. There, there's a Salem in this one as well. Salem, her, ah. her um, well, it was a cat. The in cat. The, in the, the talking cat who was kind of, you know, joked and wisecracked. So sassy. Yeah, so there's, there's no jokes and wisecracks from the cat in in this version. But, um, yeah, Salem is really interesting what they've done with Salem. Uh, So there's a lot of lightness from those kind of things, but it is definitely, yeah, it's, you know, it's not charmed. It's not the Melissa Jane Hart and her wonky eye version. It's definitely... (laughs) Featuring wonky eye. Featuring wonky eye. Um, It is is quite dark. Matt, what did you think of the new Sabrina? I didn't know what to expect because there was a lot of pre-publicity about this, about how it was going to be ultra dark. And they even said, you know, it was quite inspired by Rosemary's Baby, that classic horror Mm. film with Mia Farrow. So I was expecting something incredibly dark, but it's not that. It's quite camp. It's aimed squarely at teenage girls who will absolutely love it. However, you are right. There are, despite the campness, there are some quite dark elements to this. Yes, Satan is involved numerous times, which is really going to freak out a lot of uh, parents, I think. There are some uh, quite bloody murders in this. There's um, some gore, some um, genuine illusions, sort of the the dark side of the supernatural. And I think um, for that reason, it's not suitable at all for small children and it's not going to be suitable for teenagers who are particularly sensitive. Um, and a lot of parents, as I say, are not going to like it. I think it's one, perhaps if you've got kids and you're not sure, you should watch it before you let them uh, get anywhere near it. I thought it was fun, but, you know, I'm sort of a, dare I say it, relatively sophisticated adult, so I can see (laughs) what they're doing here. I'm not going to take it as seriously as a lot of impressionable teenagers may do. Um, Look, it's going to be interesting to see if she does end up signing over her allegiance to the devil. We don't know what's going to happen there yet, but she's already indicating that she finds it a bit patriarchal that she has to sign over her virginity to the Dark Lord. Mm. Um, And she's already a a feminist, a little bit of a tumbler feminist, if I may say so. Um, 
there's a lot of cool stuff in here, though, about not um, taking crap from men, which I'm very much in favour of. Uh, yes, I think it's going to be a huge hit. So regardless of whether or not parents are freaked out, the kids are probably going to end up watching this regardless. Do you think it's going to be big, Gavin? I think it'll be big because Riverdale is massive and there is always the prospect that there could be a crossover down the track. Um, the, you know, the two worlds of, of Greendale, where Sabrina is set and Riverdale are separate uh, towns, but they do mention Riverdale in one of the episodes, um, just as a little aside. So it is operating in the same world. So I think that the... the uh, the possibility that there could be a crossover down the track will lure people in. But Kiernan um, is great as Sabrina. She's sassy, as you said. Yeah, she, she's kind of a, a budding feminist. There's also a uh, non-binary character in this. One of yeah. Sabrina's friends is non-binary. And her cousin, who lives in the house with the aunts, he's pansexual, apparently, although I haven't really seen the evidence of that yet, but he's described online as pansexual. So I think that's great that they're, they're showing some diversity on that front and I think these kids these days are familiar with all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I think it's they, about time. I think they'll like that side of things as well. Um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be massive. Uh, this, As far as I know, this doesn't roll out week by week like Riverdale does. I think we're getting it all in one hit. Uh, and so I think kids will yeah will just binge. Lap, will binge 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 for this and yeah I think why not it, it, it's a fun show but as you say yeah I think younger kids should be maybe um, yeah monitored and more impressionable teens perhaps the teens that are a, a little greener should be um, monitored when they're watching this yeah so we're shipping Shipka. We are shipping ship car. There we go. Nice one. Good stuff. All right. If you're interested in watching Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, it's going to be available on Netflix from October 26. And thank you, Abby, very much for being our guest no star worries, this thank week. You. It's been wonderful having you here. And I think we may have you visiting again in the future to talk about Bachelorette. Always, always available. Someone's got to watch Sadly. it. Sadly, someone, and it's me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm that one of you. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm you. Okay. Um, Thank you, Abby. Bye. It's time for this week's Hidden Gem. The Hidden Gems are often the best, and Gavin, you've been watching All American on Stan. I have been. Two episodes have aired or have been made available to stream, I guess is is what I should say, um, already. And so I've watched those two episodes, and this is like every teen and sports drama rolled into one, and I am fine with that. It feels like a mix of 90210, The O.C., One Tree Hill, Fresh Prince, and Friday Night Lights. I mean, that is a great... That's great source material to, to be drawing from. Uh, so All-American focuses on star footballer Spencer James. He's from the wrong side of the tracks, but he's recruited to come and play for Beverly Hills High by the coach of that school, who is played by Tay Diggs. Uh, so you've got the fish-out-of-water staff playing out, and, of course, the coach's son is the captain of the Beverly Hills team, so that results in some jealousy because Dad is suddenly obsessed with the new recruit. And Spencer is a bit of a maverick. He's used to doing whatever he wants on the field at his old school, so can he be disciplined enough to fit in at the new school? And But like Friday Night Lights, this is not really about football. There are football scenes, but it's about rich versus poor guy from the wrong side of the tracks and daddy's little princess like the oc and a hot-headed young gun being his own worst enemy um you know it's quite watchable it does feel in parts a little bit derivative apparently it's based on a, a real story but i mean that really doesn't matter if you like teenage parties you know football parties all the all the cool guys 
getting together with all the cool girls and, and that kind of thing and, and stealing each other's girlfriends and uh, getting into heated debates and arguments and, and punch-ups and that kind of thing and lots of drinking and all of that is there in, in, in this show. There is also, I, I guess, some an element that we didn't see in any of those other shows I mentioned in that you've got the gang life of Spencer's old suburb because he actually moves to Beverly Hills. He doesn't just go to the school. He has to move to Beverly Hills itself. And in his own hood... Uh, uh, friends of his that he went to school with there are involved in gangs and so there's drive-bys and that kind of stuff. So that adds, I guess, a, a bit of a fresh element to a show like this. If you like all those kind of teen dramas, you'll love this. If you don't, and I know, Matt, your eyes are glazing over as I speak. They sure are. <laughs> so, Matt, you won't watch this, but, yeah, if, if you like this type of stuff, you will eat it up. It, it's very watchable. Not entirely original, but very watchable. And All American is available on Stan if you are interested. Well, that's it for this week. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week when we discuss new crime series Baron Joey Road and the Spicks and Specs reunion. And Claire will be back very soon. Until next week, happy viewing, everyone. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.